0: Hello, you awesome beings. Welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known. This podcast is a love letter to my younger self of all the things I wish I'd known before I had deep issues with my mental health and my spiritual awakening. I hope you enjoy listening. Why not head to my website and purchase the new Live From Lockdown, seven guided meditations and gong meditations for your listening pleasure. Use the code TWIC. 15 T-I-W-I-K 15 to get 15% off now. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host Rachel, the founder of Wealth to Wellbeing. I am here today with Tommy Dankwa and he is an incredible guy. He's overcome so many things in his life. He is the co-host with Andy Richardson of the Man's Up Men's Mental Health podcast, and he's also the creator of 365 Good and 24 Seven Great, which I'm going to get him to tell you loads more about because it's awesome. If you are watching on video, you'll be able to see. We're going to play a little bit later. He's got this kind of wheel of fortune, if you like, behind him. If you're listening on the podcast, you may be able to hear it engaged a bit later if you want to see what it looks like you can also check out the video on YouTube. So welcome Tommy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh thank you very much for having me, I feel absolutely honoured. Oh it's a real pleasure to speak to you, I think the work that you're doing is really important within mental health I think up until quite recently men's mental health has been not focused on as much as it could have been.
1: Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. I think, I mean, there's some amazing things happening right now. You know, so many people are sort of taking the lead and really running with it and making it a lot more acceptable. And, you know, I I hate the word stigma, but, you know, it is the word, right? And we are trying to reduce the stigma. So it's a really great time for not just men's mental health, but, you know, mental health in general.
0: I agree. I think it's quite a common misconception, actually, that stigma doesn't exist anymore Everyone's really open about the mental health. Everyone's talking about it. I think there's a lot of incredible work that's being done and things have improved. Definitely. I've really noticed since my diagnosis, the times where, unfortunately, if I have dipped and had to go back to the doctors and things, the kinds of questions that they've asked and how less eager they are to just toast me up is quite evident, you know? And so I think there's definitely good work happening, but I think that stigma is going to take a lot longer to iron out because it's cultural, it's societal. It's, there's so many layers to it that I think on one layer, we've started to chip away at that stigma, but I think there's lots of layers where it's still very evident.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's the saying, isn't it? Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think it's going to take a while for us as males as men to actually really get on board with this i mean even now some of the people that we're speaking to through the man up men's mental health pages we get a lot of people like you know private messaging us and like you know this is what's going on. i can't tell anyone about this and it's just you know the, the shame is still there it's still there in a, in a lot of cases and I think that's just something that we just have to continue to try to, you know, as long as the conversation's going and we're making it a lot more open, a lot more accessible, then that's only a good thing, right?
0: Totally. I mean, this is why wealth of well-being, I've always supported the Samaritans. Ever since I started the company, I've given 10% of all my profits to to Samaritans because they have saved my life. With it. and I'm not even exaggerating, on like a number of occasions. And I think partly what works so well about Samaritans is you don't know who you're talking to. They're never going to ring you back and say like, oh, how are you feeling since last Wednesday when we spoke? Or, you know, chuck something you said back at you in an argument later on. Or, you know, like there's none of that stuff. It's just like you can literally say whatever it is that you need to say, be as open as you want without the fear of hurting someone's feelings, scaring your family or your loved ones or whatever, or having it used against you in some way shape or form later on down the line you can just literally bleh, <laughs> puke it all out if you like verbally yeah. and then put the phone down and and you never have to speak about it again or you never have to but you've actually been able to to verbalize that and be heard and I think a lot of the time most people we just want to be heard you know you want you want someone to say I understand or okay that's you know I hear you it's so key it really is so key because you know it's true and we're
1: talking about stigma and we're talking about embarrassment and if we're speaking about men quite often we're talking about male pride and what we were taught or what we were not taught and to admit that you're struggling or to admit that things aren't going right it's a you know it still sometimes can be a real taboo thing so yeah god bless the samaritans you know
0: (laughs) absolutely god bless
1: them for giving them that outlet for people
0: i want to give people a bit more of an intro into who you are tommy and how you came to do what you're doing now because you're doing some incredible work and i think your story really needs to be heard and i think it's a you know a good story that a lot of people relate to as well so do you mind giving people a bit of a Background onto how you came up with these incredible ideas, how you came to set up the podcast with Andy
1: yeah, absolutely, so I guess, like a lot of people, I basically I grew up in a dysfunctional home, so I guess already the foundations were set for what was going to you know come dysfunctional home, absent father, I mean absent in distance, he was always there, emotionally available to me, but he wasn't there. As in, you know, physically and sort of growing up, I guess I sort of developed a sense of very, you know, low self-worth and I ignored it because like a lot of men, I wasn't taught how to communicate. I had an alcoholic mother, so I became a codependent. So anything that I was feeling, I wanted to keep to myself as long as my mother was okay and as long as I was trying to protect my mum. So, not talking or not having the tools to communicate and not feeling that like I was able to or worth, you know, having my side of the story heard, it sort of snowballed. So, I spent a lot of my teenage years and 20s hiding from, you know, what I was really feeling and stuff like that, just sticking my head in the sand. I guess depression had kind of played quite a key role in my life but I didn't really acknowledge it as depression just acknowledged it as my life's not going how it should be you know if I had more money I'd be happy if I had a girlfriend I'd be happy if I wasn't worried about x y and z I'd be happy so I didn't really associate it with depression I guess at the time I just sort of plowed on masked it with drinking and partying and you know recreational using drugs because that made me feel good and if I was doing that I was cool and I wasn't thinking about anything
0: else I think there's a lot of that I think if we can just pause there for a second because I think a lot of people will resonate with that and I think there's a lot of self-medicating happening and a lot of people that don't realise. I mean, that was definitely part of my story as well and actually when I look back, I'm like, oh, okay, I totally get it now. Like, I was seeking out these environments where A, it was quite chaotic because that's where I feel at home in in (laughs) quite chaotic environments. I was searching out situations where I could socially acceptably <laughs> drink heavily and you know go and party and basically then I didn't have to think oh I'm depressed I could think oh I'm hungover Exactly. everyone feels like crap for half the exactly. week when they've been on a bender all weekend and you don't yeah. really have to then look at what's underneath it and also you don't have the time to look at what's underneath it because you're either at work pissed or asleep <laughs> so you don't it's like
1: yeah. And I think it works for lots of people. And I mean, it worked for me for years mm-hmm. and I thought I was happy and I sort of felt socially accepted because, oh, you know, we're all doing this together and these, this is re- this is the good times and nothing can touch us. Uh, and it was great for a time. I don't have any regrets about it. I, You know, it was, you know, everything that's happened led me to where I am now. And all of a sudden I sort of met a girl and she was amazing. And then we had found out she was pregnant. So all of a sudden the partying sort of slows down or stops. And then I think like, you know, most people who realize they're about to become a parent, it sort of, you know, everything comes to light. It's like, oh my God, I start asking yourself questions. What kind of dad am I going to be? I've not done this. I haven't got this. I've not got a house. And all those things are quite natural, I think come rushing forward and then all of a sudden there's a new life there that you're responsible for and there's these emotions that you just have not really experienced or you don't know how to deal with them because all of a sudden you're not using alcohol or drugs to suppress them and you need to sort of deal with it and that was i think you know whereas a lot of people say the greatest thing in my life was my kids being born and yes it was it was also one of the hardest things in my life because I just had so many questions and all of the demons I'd locked up about how I was brought up in my upbringing, my fears about, you know, the mistakes I didn't want to make, the man that I wanted to be, could I be that man? they all just came out and all of a sudden I had to deal with this and, you know, what do all men do? You know, I've got all these things I need to deal with. What will I do? I did what all great men do is I stuck my head in the sand and I I ignored it because that's what men do right (laughs) I didn't have the tools to talk about these and communicate it I didn't know what was going on so I just put it down to oh my gosh like everything I did is a new baby life is changing it's just I'm just stressed
0: I think that happens for a lot of people as well I think children I mean I don't know I'm not a parent myself I've got a couple of very gorgeous nephews that I love dearly and lots of friends that have got incredible children so I guess I have a hand in it but I've no idea and I can't even pretend that I know what it's like to be a 24-hour parent you know it's it's a lot of work and I think (laughs) it's also a big catalyst for a lot of people because like you say and I see this a lot with my clients you know that they're often trying to provide a life for their children that they didn't have you know so if they've had some kind of trauma or something that's happened to them in their childhood where they've either been abused or treated in a particular way that wasn't enjoyable, they will go out of their way to try and create the opposite of that for their child because they're like, there's no way I'm going to put them through that. However, if the child isn't grateful, because <laughs> the child doesn't know any different, so they don't know <laughs> what it's like to have an alcoholic mom or dad or be beaten or, you know, whatever the situation might have been, right?, So then, the child's not really grateful because they don't know any difference. So they're just like, "This is cool. This is nice. You know, whatever. I don't know. This just is what it is. This is my childhood." And the parents a little bit like, "You've no idea." (laughs) Like almost (laughs) resentment to an extent of, "You've no idea what I've had to go through to to give you this, and now you're not even (laughs) grateful." And also, I think there's a lot of triggers around, like, you know, I see this a lot in clients as well when the child becomes a certain age and that might be an age where they experienced something that was really upsetting mm. and so then they they see that child and they see themselves in that child and they think how could they have done that to me look how innocent look how little look how defenseless and lovely and cute and and i love you so much how did they do that to me when i was like you you know yeah. it's like this whole Next level of stuff that all just gets brought up on top of slept for about five years, I'm trying to hold down a job and put a roof over your head and feed you and make sure you don't get sick and or you know there's all the other stuff that comes with parenting on top of that layers of emotional stuff that oh well yeah, you know,
1: like yeah, absolutely, and you do you sort of have these things like for me i had a sense of real, almost like abandonment, you know, those sorts of feelings. Like, why, how could you not be there? Like, you know, as my dad, how could you not be there? You know, cause I couldn't imagine not waking up every morning in the house of my kids and, you know, and I've had these talks with my dad now and, and like, thankfully we're learning to talk the journey that I've been on. It's really opened up our channels of communication, which is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, so I was going through all of that and again, not talking about it at the time, so my relationship my wife started suffering and then we had another baby because that's how you fix a broken relationship, right?
0: <laughs> I said, well, is another baby. We're not promoting that on this podcast. <laughs> Everything will <would> be crappy. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that <laughs> bit out no, I'm really <laughs> joking.
1: <laughs> like I said, I did it all wrong before I got to where I am. So yeah. you know, like I said, I'm, We're not I'm... taught
0: this stuff are we? Societally that is sort of what we're taught, even though it's very unhealthy.
1: Oh, so unhealthy. So unhealthy. Yeah. So it got to a point where I was there now with two kids trying to work and provide a life that, like you said, I didn't have. And I was just in a real mess because I wasn't dealing with all the emotions and all the stuff that needed to be dealt with. I wasn't talking to my wife. So she just thought that I was, you know, being distant and lazy. I was working a job that was a bit of a dead end because, you know, just depression, and anxiety, just really sort of gone on hold of me at this point. So, you know, she was sort of saying, look, you need to do more, get, you know, earn more money. We were a bigger family now, but my anxiety had me crippled. I couldn't do anything. And then, then depression was kicking in. Expand
0: on that just a little bit as well, because for people that haven't experienced depression or anxiety, I really resonate with what you're saying there, that like literally being frozen and feeling like it's almost like rabbit in the headlights and people are asking you to do stuff. And it's like, I'm barely able to brush my teeth. (laughs) <laughs> how am I going to get another job oh, <laughs> or like Rachel. you know um, but can you explain your experience like in terms of like day to day what was that like because for two reasons number one if people haven't experienced this to try and you know if you've got a friend or a partner or a loved one who might be experiencing this hopefully that will give them a bit of insight but also if somebody's listening, what you said earlier about how you were depressed and you didn't realize that is my experience as well and I think actually if I'd have heard more open communication about what day-to-day that was I might have recognized it earlier and not had my breakdown so do you mind just sort of you know day-to-day what that might have been like for you at those times
1: yeah absolutely so it's kind of likening it to getting out of bed and just feeling this dread you know just like oh my God, I've got to do this again. I have to go to work and show up. And then, you know, I think I'm a good actor because, I, you know, I'd go to work and, you know, put that, it's like, you know, the face of a clown or tears of a clown, laughing and joking. And I was the center of attention and the life and soul. And inside, I just felt empty, like worthless, you know, just completely hopeless and just a feeling of constant dread, you know, it was constant dread. I'm letting my wife and my kids down. I'm letting myself down, I'm letting my parents down. Everything that I thought I would achieve and do, I just wasn't able to do it. I often say that just existing was a real effort and I remember just, you know, and in my lowest, at the lowest point, and I think this is one of the catalysts as well actually, my son was about 18 months old. And I remember sitting down and, and, you know, I say this quite openly because I just think I want people to hear this because I don't ever want anybody else to feel how I did at that time. And I remember I was at home with my youngest and I was sitting on the floor by the sofa and he was picking toys up and trying to hand toys to me to play with him, you know, and I just remember not even be able to lift my head up and just at that moment just thinking i just feel so so sorry for these kids that they've got this pathetic worthless human that they are going to have the shame of calling dad and when i think back to it it does it really
0: it's it's hard isn't it because i think i feel the same sometimes when i look back to the things i used to think about myself that are just so far from the truth it's quite upsetting isn't it sometimes when you think back and you're like wow how did I hang out with that all day like it's so toxic when you've got that that almost on a loop in your head going around I mean this was my experience anyway and it sounds quite similar just this thing of like how awful you are how you know for me it was a lot around you know being unattractive and weight and things like that and you know just constantly be thinking to myself that I was just an idiot I was completely pointless there was just pointless me even existing and that you know if I was to just disappear no one would even notice and oh, actually a lot dang. of people would be really grateful and you know it's a really awful internal environment to be in 24
1: 7. I imagine you,
0: yeah you get very good I, I love what you said about being an actor I, I felt very much the same you get very good at pretending everything's fine but I often think who are you lying to this is the thing that I find quite fascinating is I think a lot of the time I wasn't trying to hide from anyone else other than myself because I think if you actually stopped and really paid attention and became self-aware at that point it would be so horrifying and there'd be you're already so exhausted that the thought of then having to do self-development work on top you're like what
1: no oh, this, way, yeah
0: mate. I've got energy to, to do therapy now
1: <laughs> yeah literally just getting out of bed and brushing my teeth is a victory mate let's um yeah. let's not let's not get too into this talking about what's really going on yeah
0: yeah and I, I think probably a lot of people you know whether you've got kids or not that thing of you know sitting there and being with your son at, at a point where it should have been you know, really joyous occasion, right? 18 months old, they're really cute. They're starting to engage a lot more and learn about the world and you can watch them and it's really beautiful to to be with them. But whether it's that or something else, you know, but but there was definitely times where I was sat there and just, it's like you've been switched off and it's, it's quite hard to get that spark back.
1: Yeah, it is, it is. But, you know, I heard a really, really lovely saying and it said, sometimes when you think things are falling apart, actually falling into place and I was just like, ah, and you know what? It really just sort of it touched me, man, because I was like, I didn't think things could get any worse than they were, how I was feeling. And like you said, you know, thinking if I just disappeared, it would be better for everybody. And that's probably you know, I look back now and I think, like you said, how could I think that? How could I have felt so awful about myself or how could I have thought that my children would be better off without me there? You know, like and I feel quite like, oh, man, like not angry because I've, I think I've got acceptance of it. Was, it wasn't me. It was just a dark place that I was in. But, you know, it, like I said to you, I said to a soft camera that it got bad to a point where I felt like I'd hit rock bottom. And then what I realized was that rock bottom, my rock bottom anyway, had a basement.
0: And I, felt, <laughs> and I was like.
1: Oh, you father mucker. Really? You're going to do me like that? Damn. (laughs) But it was then and only then that, you know, like I said, I wasn't communicating with my wife and I was going to lose her and I was going to lose my kids. And in that moment of desperation is when I just blurted it all out. And, you know, this is for me who didn't say anything about anything other than, yeah, I'm fine. I'm tired. And I told her everything. I was like, you know, I just feel like, Sugar, honey, iced tea. I'm worthless. If I wasn't here, it'd be better for you and the kids. I just want to die. And everything just came out, and the tears came out. And I remember just collapsing on the floor. And I remember her looking at me. And one of my biggest fears was that my wife, the woman who I'd sworn to love and protect and take care of, was going to look at me and think that I was not a man. And and you know, I always say if there's one thing that anyone takes from when I talk or when I tell my story, is this. She looked at me and for the first time she got it, you know, and she didn't look down at me and she didn't judge me or question me. In fact, if anything, it was like, wow, like, thank you for letting me in. Thank you for letting me understand, you know, because where I was depressed and I didn't want, I wasn't motivated. She saw it it as me not being motivated or me not wanting to do anything. The anxiety that was sort of stopping me from just it was like the fear of God, you know, asking me to do anything other than what I knew I could do comfortably. Yeah, it was like terrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you're in that constant state of anxiety, you know, your comfort zone. I always think about anxiety as basically it removes everything from your life because your comfort zone becomes really tiny, and anything outside of your comfort zone is just so petrifying. The terrifying that you you couldn't even you know, and my anxiety at points got to the point where I couldn't leave my house because that was my comfort zone became like my room, you know, and it would be always at the same point I'd be two there's about six flights of stairs in in my flat, and I could do the two from my room to the landing, but as soon as I got about two or three steps down the next flight that goes to the front door of my flat and then there's another two that go to the front door of the building. I would start to have a panic attack because I knew that I had to leave the flat and it's completely irrational like you know the times when I would force myself and I'd literally I I always think god my neighbours I don't know if they must just think I'm nuts there's times when I'd come out the front door and you know be like holding on to the edge of the door and, and thinking like if you can just get five steps down the road and prove to yourself that there's nothing dangerous out here it's not scary it's just the same old road it's the same old buses going past it's the same old everything's cool you'd be fine but it shrinks everything and I think it's really fascinating what you're what you're saying about the fear of how when you put out this stuff that you think is so shameful and so disgusting and so you know you're you're just drudgy yucky stuff that you've been hiding for ages that someone's going to be like oh you're so vile I can never look at you again and actually generally what they do is go oh my god are you okay yeah love (laughs) let me support you and you're like what that didn't fit my story that I've been telling myself in my head for 10 years But, but this is this is depression depression is the
1: greatest liar on this planet it is a horrible nasty little liar and it will have you thinking these things yeah, you know, it really will. But like I said, once it came out, it was just like, you know, a pressure could go up. Yeah, man. And I, was, and I could feel it. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Wow. The that relief. felt
0: nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what were your steps like from that point? So you've, you know, you've gone to this complete rock bottom. Then realise the rock bottom's got a basement. <laughs> it's got even <laughs> even darker, and there's no light down there. You <laughs> oh, it be a little pull switch. Help. Help. And so you, you're in this like smooth concrete basement with no ladder, no light. You eventually tell your wife everything. You feel this huge sense of relief, but I mean that's usually just the start of the journey, right? Like that's not even. It's not just then like, oh woohoo and I woke up the next day and everything was
1: great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I woke up the I woke up next morning, there was this spinner next to me in bed. uh, I was like, No, you're right. It didn't change overnight. And you know, it was a slow process, but the process just became that my wife and I started talking about things, and I got this understanding that it was okay for me to say how I felt, and it was okay to tell her when I just felt terrible it was okay to sort of not feel guilty for feeling good you know and i went on this sort of roller coaster of a ride of oh i feel quite good today then like you know i'd walk out of the house and somebody would say something that would just trigger and all of a sudden oh my god the world is rubbish you know maybe it would be better if i was dead again but it was small things a lot of people do therapy and stuff like that but what we did is i had some really amazing friends and when it sort of came out i told a few of them that i'd been feeling a certain way and one of them was a life coach and lucky. she sort of yeah absolute result i mean not everyone is as lucky as that so i you know I, you know I'm, I'm aware of it but she sort of introduced me to a few things like have you heard of the miracle morning hal hal Ewood. and just just sort of i started to introduce a few practices like that into my life you know waking up and doing meditation and reading something positive doing some exercise and all these things just really gave me a small boost but that was all i needed to kind of think right that works maybe i can find somebody else who does something you know and i started on like, youtube and, you know reading some books uh, there's this amazing book called being happy by uh, andrew matthews i, I don't know if you have heard of that one Oh my goodness. Listen, you'll have to give me like, your list. details and I'll, I'll send you a copy because nowadays, anybody who tells me they're struggling, I send them this book. And that was gifted to me by a friend as well. And she said, this helped me get through some really tough times. And when she gave it to me, I wasn't ready to read. it. I wasn't ready to receive it because I was still you know, in quite a bad place. But a few months later, I did. I picked it up and it's like a manual for life and i got so much i've read it about four or five times and i will share this book with everybody because it's almost like a comic and it's just so simple the way this guy puts things but it's, it's beautiful it's a really beautiful read and i just sort of got more and more uplifted by these things that i was receiving and these gifts and all of a sudden i started small shift in my mindset and I'd, I'd post something out on social media like you know there might not you know every day might not be good but there's good in every day you know these cheesy posts yeah, that you see that's how i post these things they help and...
0: man i'm sorry but they do my was, life was not... is a man now <laughs> well,
1: But honestly it, it is true and i started posting these positive things and people were a bit like hang on a minute you're not posting about football or like you know cats playing the piano
0: which is also helpful by the way guys I'm a great advocate of cat videos (laughs)
1: absolutely I do love a good cat video
0: (laughs) I like those psychedelic ones of the cats playing keyboards with like space in the background
1: (laughs) listen whatever helps me I'm into it I'm into it and laughter man
0: laughing again how I liked what you said earlier as well just to pick up on that about not feeling guilty for feeling happy yeah I think that is a huge part of the journey, and the fear like when you start to feel better, you know because at the beginning it feels or it did for me anyway, it felt like a war. you know it was like my life was like a war, I was like at war with this thing that was trying to kill me literally and and it was my job to kind of like fight this thing, this invisible thing that was trying to kill me and keep myself alive. but then after about a year or two of doing that. And like not jumping in front of every bus that it told me to jump in front of and all that stuff, which was just nightmare. You end up in this weird or I know, this weird sort of void where I didn't really want to feel anything, because I didn't feel bad anymore, and that was good. But I didn't want to get too happy either, because I was so scared that the fall from the happiness to the depths of where I knew I could go reach so far mm. that I'd rather not ever feel happy again. I'd rather just stay on this plateau of like nothingness. So I wasn't sad, but I wasn't really happy either. But that was fine because it felt like kind of safe in a weird way. Because it's like I'd rather be this sort of like slightly numb, not really anything, no man's land of emotion than joy and happiness and excitement. And then who knows how long that's going to last. And then that plummet. I don't even know. You know, if you've never been depressed, I don't think you can. You've got no idea. Like we've all been sad and people that have experienced grief might have experienced something similar but I've experienced a lot of grief in my life as well and I swear depression is like next level it's I remember when I had my diagnosis and I've got a friend a good friend of mine and she's got bipolar I rang her up afterwards and just apologized profusely for the amount of times that I'd been to her house and been like oh come on babe just have a shower or like what are you doing all day could have just cleaned your house it'll make you feel better let me help you I'll clean I'll help you clean up you know and those kind of things that now I realize how ignorant and horrible that is to hear because you're already feeling completely shit and I apologize I just rang her and I was like oh my god I had no idea I'm so sorry and she said to me I'm sorry that you're ringing and apologizing because it means you know what it's like Mm. and I'd rather you I'd rather people said that stuff because it means they don't get it. (laughs) And that means that they haven't had the unfortunate experience of it, you know? And I think there is that guilt, that weird bit when you start to like get happy again and you almost feel guilty or worried or it's like this dance of wanting to be in a good place and be a happy person again, but also being like, oh, but it like is it, scary. It is yeah. scary.
1: It really is. And, like, you know, I remember just thinking, you know, when I was in, in the thick of it, just, I would just wished I felt different. You know, I didn't like you said, I didn't care what it was. I still want to feel it's like this. Because I don't, you know, I don't want to feel this. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, but that was it. And, like I said, I started posting some positive stuff because I felt like, oh, I'm being a bit brave, I'm being enlightened. And this wonderful, amazing human being called Andy Richardson sent me this message and said, mate, I didn't know that you were going through that. Like I've been sort of dealing with anxiety for years and, you know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast, but I've just not known what to do. Like, would you like to maybe have a think about it? And by this time I was sort of posting things. I knew that I was feeling better and I was feeling stronger and I felt and I think one of the biggest things was I felt I'd felt brave enough to actually put out there that I'd been depressed. And that was a really massive, massive step because everyone knew me as Tommy the party boy was out on Friday. Didn't go home till Sunday, you know, wherever I was it's like, yeah, boom. but the you know, the real, the real truth of it finally was out. And it was just really, it was quite liberating because it wasn't people judging me, but like, you, you know, I had friends that came to me and were like, I'm really sorry, like one of my best friends, AD, you know, I'm sort of jumping the gun a bit, but we did the podcast and it was a real sort of, it was a real, it was scary because although I'd sort of been posting a few things and I'd said I'd been depressed, actually going in and sitting in a room with Andy, who we were we were sort of associates, but we were not friends, but we just said, we're going to be really honest and just talk about everything. And we did, and we just put it all out there. And then I just had, again, the fear like, oh, oh my man. Same hangover. Yeah, my mom's gonna hear it. My <laughs> dad's so... gonna hear it, and you know I'm gonna worry everyone. And then like everyone's gonna think that I'm this, and, and I had all of that again. Like, oh my god! Yeah. I thought, Lord, sorry, I've done it. I've made a commitment to do this because I want to help people.
0: And it's how many people you help. That's what I always have to focus on. Like when I put out, I think the most recent time I had that, I wrote a piece about Caroline Flack when she committed suicide because it really oh, affected gosh. me. And it was the first time I really felt compelled to write about suicide and stuff like that. And I wrote this piece and I was in a co-working space and my, my friend was there. And she went, what are you doing? I, said, I must have looked stressed. I said, oh, I'm about to press publish on this blog and I feel sick. I don't know if to put it out. And she said, do you want me to just give it a once over? And I said, yeah, all right. And she turned it around. And she went, oh, you know, I knew Caroline. And I was like, Bleh. <laughs> I was oh. like, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh. And she went she went, all right. I said, Oh god, okay. Well, as soon as she read it, she went, put it out, it's brilliant. And I felt so sick because I knew that people knew that I had depression. I knew that people knew that I had anxiety. You know, I'd talk about it publicly. I had done for two years at that point. But not a lot of people including I think some of my family members knew that I'd tried to take my own life and that was like still a lot of shame around that and guilt and all that stuff even though it happened years ago and I've done therapy on it and whatever I still have this like weird thing of like how that affected my family what do you know what I mean all the knock on effects of what what that decision created but it was really well received and I'm glad I put it out and that was the thing I think with with a lot of this stuff the work that we do it's, it's you know people might be listening to this and think god you're brave no it's it's terrifying it's not like an easy thing to do but when I think about the amount of messages I get from people and probably you the same even people that I knew like you're saying your mate AD whatever like going oh my god me too or my brother or my cousin or this person that I know or oh that made so much clarity for me around you know because people blame themselves don't they you know a lot of the time and that's exactly clear, And, you know,
1: like I said, going back to what, A, you know, AD said, and he, and he just walked up to me and he said, I listened to it and he said, I cried, mate. I so I cried. And he said, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry. I could have done more. And I was like, you couldn't have done any more because I didn't even know what I was dealing with. And to be fair, you know, he's, he was an absolute rock for me, you know? And, but yeah, I, all the fear and worry that I had about upsetting it, what people were thinking of me, it was immediately sort of, you know, cast aside when it went out and we received some really nice messages and like from people that we knew from people that we'd never met and it was just like all of a sudden there was a bit of purpose in my life again you know not just you know trying to be a dad and a husband and a wife but i'd been through something and i've been dealing with it and i'm still dealing with it you know i don't ever say that i'm yeah i'm the finished article because I still have wobbles every now and then, but I embrace them. But just knowing that what I'm doing is making a difference to some people. It's just, it sort of gives me that, it gives me that fight. It gives me that energy when I might not normally have it, you know?
0: I totally agree. I, I always say that I think wealth and being keeps me alive because it holds me accountable to being well. Absolutely. You know, it's like, actually, it's not just about me being well for me anymore. It's about me being well and staying well and learning new tools and supporting other people sharing my story and all that stuff and and sometimes it feels really raw because i think also then when you've got you know i've basically built a brand i guess around me being well when i have a dip i'm like oh god you're a liar you're a fraud you you know that that (laughs) story starts in my head even though i know it's bullshit i'm like you're not a fraud you're not you know this is just you're just having you're
1: human you're you're just having a
0: moment and that's okay And actually 99% of the time I am fine, but I do have, you know, unfortunately, I think like most people, you know, it's a hard one for me because a lot of the work that I do around, I don't know how much you know about like metaphysics and kind of like field work in terms of like energy field therapy and stuff like that. I know that in order to really get rid of it, I've got to believe that I haven't got it. Do you know what I mean? I need to basically put myself into that dimension of where that doesn't exist for me anymore that's how I'm going to really get get away from it but my job is to talk about my experiences with it so I've created a rod for my own back really because I have to keep reliving to talk about the thing to help the people but actually I need to not talk about it because I need to be over here in this dimension where it doesn't exist for me anymore and so there's this this I'm in this like weird argument with myself a lot of the time around like you know I'll say things like I'm free of depression anxiety even though I know I do get the symptoms sometimes because I don't want to associate with it because I want to move away from it and and be healthy and well all the time it's a bit of a funny funny thing and that fear that you get when you have a dip and you're like that's it do you not find that it makes you more
1: accessible to people when I don't know how it works for you but Um, yeah
0: totally but when when I'm in those moments I'm not me this is the yeah. thing I try and talk about as well with my parents, because my parents were always like, oh, but you wouldn't try and commit suicide again, would you? And I'm like, I don't know. I wouldn't, but my depression might. Yeah. Like, I don't, I feel like it's not, it's not like my, who I associate with who I think I am, whatever that even means in this duality, whatever, you know. In my this dimension. Ego, yeah, this dimension, my ego, whatever is, you know, I'm a happy person. I love life. I'm really Positive. I wake up in a good mood. I'm like one of those annoying people who's, you know, even when I used to drink and stuff, I was that annoying person that would be like, "Hey, anyone for coffee? Let's go get brunch!" Woo! And then everyone yeah. would be like dying <laughs> with a hangover. So that's like really who I am. But my illness is a separate entity, and that, you know, she needs help. <laughs> She needs love basically. That's what that's what I've come brought it down to. And often when I was trying to explain to my parents when I was still in a really not very good place, I was trying to explain to them what it's like and I said, You've got to imagine it like a car. so like I'm the car. And as long as I'm driving the car, we're good. Depression often hangs out in the boot and anxiety. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like probably today they're in the boot somewhere. It's cool. They're locked in the boot, it doesn't really bother me, so I'm good. But then sometimes they kick down the back seat and they creep in the back seat. And then that's kind of okay because they're in the back seat. They're not driving. They're not even in the front seat. They're just kicking the back of my chair maybe or whatever. And I'm trying to concentrate driving. But then they might slip on. Sexy little slide into the (laughs) front seat, you know what I mean? And you're like, uh oh. And then they're fiddling with the radio and they're trying to tap your sat nav. And you're like, get off. I'm on a postcode. I (laughs) know where I'm. (laughs) <laughs> then they're like shucking you know, the really, sat nav out the window, and before you know it, they're changing gear and you're screwed, man. You got no control over that car anymore.
1: I wrote a post about that a little while ago. Really? Was, I think it was just before Christmas. And I just said, Depression, you sneaky little mother mucker. Like, he's so sneaky. Like, how I was cruising, things were good. I was, you know, I was progressing in work, I was communicating with my wife, I was happy. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like struggling to get out of bed or. I don't want to talk about things or, you know, the the same, the the old things were coming back. Like, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. I've slept. I'm, you know, I'm doing well. I'm doing things. But, and all of a sudden it can be there. And it's just like, how did you get there again? what happened? What am I doing wrong? And then that guilt, like, like, how is this happening?
0: I think almost as well, sometimes. And I mean this in the most positive way, but like sometimes now I'm like, you've got all the tools you teach this bang you've helped and that's it. all these people and you still can't bloody get you know and it's it's like but that's the illness that's not me like me is going to me me's going to depress me sweetie have a break have some love here's a cup of tea what do you need do you know what I mean but depress me is like you're so stupid how could you get it down to this point again why you <laughs> But, but you know, you, know, you, said, you said
1: ego. You said ego before, and you know it really is that, isn't it? Because that will have you believing that you're a fraud, or you're a failure, and stuff like that. But when you sort of step back and actually be like, actually, I've been here before. I can see what's happening now. I'm aware. So what works? You know what works. You know what you need to do. Yeah. Do you need to sort of get some more sleep? Do you need to stop? You know, working so hard. You need to tell your work. Actually, you know what? I need to take a step back for a bit and give myself some time you know and it's and and again not feeling guilty having that self-worth that you may not have had before
0: I always think of it though as like if I had a physical disease so if I had a physical disease if I had diabetes let's say right and so this is how I look at it is like if I had diabetes, I'd have to take insulin every day. I'd have to have my injection every day or whatever, right? If I was insulin dependent, I realized there's other types of diabetes available. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you haven't got any of them. But let's just say that because it's a good analogy, right? So you're, you're taking a shot every day. If I stopped taking my insulin or I just dropped down my insulin intake, so let's just say, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just decided I'm only going to have half a syringe a day instead of a whole syringe, right? That's going to have an effect on me. I'm going to start to feel pretty ill pretty quickly and if I stopped my insulin I'd probably be hospitalized you know quick right for me my medication for my mental health because I I don't take pharmaceutical medication at the moment or I haven't done for quite a few years I'm not anti-medication I think it can be a solution as part of a healing process for a lot of people and so and I think there should not be any shame in that either if you do take medication because I think often there's this whole weird paradigm with like getting off your meds and getting back to normal when actually for a lot of people, it's literally the difference between life and death. So if you're listening to this, I'm not anti-meds, you stick to your program or whatever works for you, you know, but for me, they didn't work for me. They worked for me to a point, but I never got really well on them. I felt numb and weird and not like myself. I didn't like it. So I worked through that, but my now medication is I meditate every day. I journal. I tell myself really nice things about myself all the time, like all the time, all day, every day. I have this constantly saying, You're beautiful. You look amazing. Great outfit. You're clever. Look how well you've done with your business. Sometimes I reread. (laughs) God, this sounds so egotistical saying that out loud. But sometimes if I feel low, I reread the testimonials from my clients to reinforce to me, like, why I'm doing what I'm doing and how much that's helping other people. I eat. A relatively good diet I try and exercise I struggle with that but you know I run and do this fitness classes or whatever at home I do yoga when I'm not on lockdown and I can get to a class you know like but that's my medication right and when I cut down my medication so I'm not telling myself really nice things when I look in the mirror I'm like oh, you look a bit tired babe you know or Oh, is that spot? Gray hair. Ooh, chin hair. Chin hair? No one warns women about that either, do they, if you're listening, man. <laughs> you're like, I can't wait to get over my acne when you're a teenager. No one tells you you can get wrinkles and chin hairs wrinkles when your and acne goes. Hair. It's like, Christ, Mate, give that, me a break. That's, that's what this episode
1: should be called, wrinkles and chin hair.
0: <laughs> that's like, give me a break, man. But the equivalent is, okay, I'm going always go off on topic, I can't imagine what it's like to actually listen to this podcast, <laughs> it's like, sorry everyone. Don't apologise, But the equivalent no is, right, <laughs> you're, you're having your insulin if you're a diabetic, if you were to cut that down, you would feel ill, and it's the same, like, and, and this comes over time, because also what I did at the beginning, I don't know if you had a similar thing, it sounds like you did, that you, you start to come out of the depression, you're like, right, I need to change my diet. I need to change my job. I need to change my friendship group. I need to change what I do for fun. I need to stop drinking. I need to stop smoking cigarettes. I need to, there were so many things that I needed to do and it was all really urgent. I going to take up yoga and I want to meditate and I need to start practicing these affirmations and I need to, you know, go to therapy and, and it was just like this overwhelm, you're already in that thing of the impossible task is brushing your teeth and suddenly you're adding 15 or 20 things to your to-do list that you've got to keep up with you know running and this and whatever and it just feels overwhelming and my self-care routine now is pretty in-depth but I'm six years into my journey so I've, I've you know nailed one thing and then added another thing and then added another thing and added another thing and I think that's it's really important to stress to people to just find one thing one thing that makes you feel better and just start doing that And just do that a little bit every day. And then when you start, when you've got a bit more energy and you feel a little bit better, add another thing. But when you start feeling really good and you've added all them things, don't start taking them away like I did. (laughs) You haven't completed it. It's not like a game show. (laughs) You get to the end and you can go back to all your habits of drinking and partying and whatever. That's what made you ill. I think Sorry. that's key
1: isn't it that's key because you know I think I was in denial for a long time because I was like you know you know all the things that I was doing I knew they're not good for you but you know it was never that that was the problem it was everything else so but yeah you you're right and it is a process and like you said just bit by bit bit by bit you know and it could start with just posting something positive on your social media page and doing that every day because then you start seeing it and, you know, it's like, you know, what you said about affirmations and visualization, seeing something like that every day like, oh, this is a positive post, you know, a butterfly, a cocoon, or a butterfly. It could be whatever cheesy post you want. I've posted all of them, mate. I love er- the
0: cheese.
1: I love the cheese, man. <laughs> but, you know, it's creating new foundations for you. And it is creating new foundations. Whereas before, you might be finishing work and sinking two or three pints or a GNT or two. It's, going home and maybe doing that yoga you know on youtube and you know it hasn't got to cost money either it doesn't have to cost money even something as simple as like i would go for a walk and take a walk in the park and actually be like you know what that's a tree trees are nice
0: i was literally gonna say the same thing i think if anyone's really suffering right now i think the most powerful thing you can do for yourself is to just go and sit in a park and put your hands on the grass and like maybe lean up against a tree or whatever and just try and reconnect that. Tonight. Take your shoes and socks off. Yeah. Take your shoes and, and socks reconnect. off. Reconnect. Oh my God. I love talking
1: to you, man. You're talking my language. Yeah.
0: It's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's man, brilliant. We're going to have, I've just realized the time though. So I'm going to ask you what things, do you wish you'd known about depression before you had this incredible journey that you've been on?
1: What do I wish? I wish I'd known about mindfulness. I wish that they'd, you know, I mean, they're starting to introduce to schools now. And um, I went to my child's parents evening and he was six years old and they were talking about the curriculum, what they're doing. And they said that we do a lesson of mindfulness. Amazing. And I clapped, I clapped my hands and all the parents looked at me and I was just like... Uh you know what (laughs) the shame yes yes. and I I was like well done I said I like that and I just think it's so important because we're taught about academics we're taught about you know being successful and what successful is and man could you imagine like you know I always say a few years ago the happiness that I get from you know sitting in the garden and just getting a bit of sun on me rather than being in a boozer or a club you know getting mashed up and you know trying to chat up women it's just that enlightenment knowing that I can be happy with what I have being grateful for the things that I've got and being even more grateful for things that I'm going to get you know it's just mindfulness is I mean I'm, I'm an absolute advocate I'm a fan and I really try to intru- you know I'm introduced into my boy's life because I just want them to have those tools that we might not be teaching at school.
0: It's that awareness, isn't it? And I think I feel the same. I'm like, how come I got taught Pythagoras theorem? Yeah, how many times that saved your life? How to deal with anger in a healthy way or how to like communicate what I need in terms of my emotional well-being or my mental health or how to like program my thoughts from I don't need to believe everything I think, you know? not everything I think is true and not everything I believe about the world is true. It's just how I've been programmed or it's just what I'm experiencing in that moment. It's not forever. Because you get stuck in this loop of like, is this it? That was my loop. My depression loop is, is this it? <laughs> is this all there is? Ugh. And then you go, this isn't all there is. There's multiple dimensions. <laughs> and i sound I'll like lose my mind now. But it's suddenly like, hang on a minute, like when I opened up my mind to what the real possibilities there are in the world, and especially for, you know, someone in my position who, let's face it, I'm pretty privileged in the sense of like, I'm white, (laughs) I'm a woman, you know, I didn't come from like loads of money or whatever. You know, we weren't like a rich family, but there was always food on the table. I knew I was loved, I had clothes, some of them were from my cousins, but you know, like I had clothes and stuff,
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know we didn't want for anything we did you yeah. know we didn't, and so it's like actually, I'm pretty lucky with the lot, and I think this is a problem with the Western world a lot of the time as well. We feel guilty for being depressed
1: and that's the thing it's got no prejudice has it depression's got no prejudice, it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire it doesn't matter if you're a street urchin, it literally does not give a monkey's, it'll come for you if it's your calling if it's your lot is coming for you yeah
0: yeah. on the plus side it's very simple to overcome it if you put the tools in place it's not easy simple really simple things that are free telling yourself you love yourself every day
1: positive self-talk yeah
0: simple you know but it's hard actually remember the first time i looked in the mirror i tried to tell myself i love myself i just sat and cried i couldn't even say it oh man you know and you think wow now I'm like, I love you. I'm like, I really do. <laughs> it's like, you're great. <laughs> and
1: when, really and nice. when you mean it as well, it feels it's good, nice. doesn't it? Like, yes, good. I'm, I'm awesome. Yeah. Look what I did. I'm doing this. This is great. <laughs> and look at my kids, and I'm like, this. Hey, I'm your daddy. Yeah. I'm King Kong. I'm your yeah. dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're saying. Brilliant! It's I made them say the same thing. Now I make them beat their chests and tell themselves, you know, positive self-talk. Like,
0: yes, mate. I'm King Kong. I'm King Kong. You know, I
1: Regina's, love it. They oh, need it, man.
0: My friend does that with her little boy. It's the cutest thing. She sent me a little video. In he can barely speak He's just learning to speak, and he has this little hand mirror. And she goes, "What do you say?" And he's looking at himself. He goes, "I love you." It's like good,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, amazing. More of thing. that,
0: please. More, yes, more of that. All more of that. Yeah, we're going to have all these empowered kids. So we're not going to know what to do with them.
1: I know. <laughs> my kid's going, already challenged me for Daddy, the supremacy of house. you practice the house. your
0: mindfulness today, shut up.
1: <laughs> Honestly.
0: <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> I know everything. I'm enlightened. <laughs> exactly.
1: Seeing they're doing their cosmic kids yoga and meditation in the morning. I love <laughs> don't, it. Don't judge me because I woke up late. <laughs>
0: What have I created? Uh, <laughs> conscious Kids.
1: <laughs> Brilliant. I love it.
0: Brilliant. I could talk to you all day. Tell me a little bit about 365 Good and 247 Great because we this podcast is like so going to be like, how long it been to me? Podcasts meant to be, what, 30
1: <laughs> minutes? We are waffling on. Sorry, I do that. I do that. I love talking to I'm talk loving you. it. I don't care. Right. Okay. So, look, just I'll, I'll try and be quick because I know I'm a conscious <laughs> time. So, three, 365 Good, 247 Great is an idea that just came to me because. I got better, I felt better and I wanted to help people We were doing the podcast and everything. And it was really, really good. And I felt so proud what we were doing and people always asking you like, well, how do you feel, you know, how do you maintain it? How do you stay positive? How do you stay feeling good? And so I started thinking, I was like, well, when I do good things, I feel good. When I do something that's bigger than me, I feel good. Like having a sense of purpose. If I. You know, if I do something like exercise, I feel great. If I do something that's good for the environment, I feel, again, like I'm giving back to Mother Nature. So I just thought, well, why not try and do these things every day? And I created this spinner, and it was really basic. It was like, do a good deed. Do something good for the environment. Do something good physically healthy. Do something good for your mental health. And I span it, and I did it with the kids. It was a little project. So every day we'd do something small, and um, I was like, this is actually really good. So I started recording it and sort of sending it out and I called it 365 Good 24-7 Great because the idea is that you do something good every day for 365 days a year and it gives you a chance to feel great yeah. in and that 24-hour period.
0: It's really similar because when people talk to me about stuff, I'm just like, so you practice? You're either practicing, being, and it's, it's literally polar opposites, isn't it? You're either practicing being nice to yourself or you're not you're practicing being nice to the world or you're not you're practicing being nice to other people or you're not you're practicing the other thing so it's like what do you want to practice Well, I'm gonna practice being nice to myself and practice being nice to the environment so it's it's kind of that yeah. well
1: you said earlier you said you know what you do now it gives you that accountability mm. that you have to
0: I'm so you grateful know, for take it. care
1: of yourself yeah and you know there's times when I've had a lull and I've said it in the videos so I've been like look guys I'm gonna be honest with you I didn't do this cell, I've got my kids to do it you know He did three six five video because I didn't feel up to it, but I can come back and say to everyone's like, you know, I've struggled recently, you know, and I've had a wobble, and this is what's gone on. But I've been working on the tools, and like, you know, and it's like, you know, they say the universe talks to you.
0: Mm -hmm. I'll spin it, and it
1: and it will land on good mental health, and I'll be like, well, guys, look, we have to do something. You know, the spinner doesn't lie; it does not lie. (laughs) I love it. I love the universe. I love you know yeah. mindfulness and enlightenment and dare you say know, your spirituality I love it because it's a game changer and I if feel you don't like my know you better get to know
0: <laughs> yeah, I, my guides have got a sense of humor man. sometimes they're just like you mm-hmm. can see him side-eyeing me like what are you up to now then, talking oh, outside of his neck mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. <laughs> gonna eat cake are you instead of go meditate on exactly. those feelings <laughs> Honestly. And I'm like,
1: shut up, baking the cake. <laughs> yeah. Don't judge me, <laughs> <laughs> Cookie dough. <laughs>
0: Literally. Oh, so funny. Because like, even when you've got the tools, right, it gets easier. For anyone that's listening to this, I mean, I know that we're laughing a lot. I can laugh about it now because I'm not in it. When you're in it, it's not funny. And depression is a really serious subject. But it's, it's also, you know, it is funny sometimes because you're more in control of it and more in power than you realise. And I think that's often when I talk to people about depression, I'm like, you just got to decide. That's the step one, you got to decide who's in charge, man. And you you got to get back control of that car. <laughs> that's it. What, Cause man. right now you're not driving, you know what I mean? And, and that's taking it,
1: control. Is yeah, powerful. It's, it's powerful. It's powerful. And you realizing that, you know, you've got, you know, you've got the opportunity, you've got the chance, you've got the tools to do that.
0: And that you're worth it, oh that you're worth God. saving. You know, but that's the first bit. And once you kind of got that bit of the battle done, I'm worth saving and I'm in control, then it's just putting all these other little things in place and just practicing them. Or, like you say, just doing one each day, you know, and just doing until you feel better because you will. It does get better, a lot better. <laughs> like, I had no idea that life could be. I thought I was happy before. I was so depressed. I didn't even know I thought I was happy. And like now, and that sometimes when I'm at now, I think, oh, my God, I could literally burst. Like, my life's so awesome. I love it so much. And then I think, oh, my God, imagine if this is your new rock bottom and you don't even know, and there's so much, like, more joy to even uh, have j- than, like, where you are now. Yeah, because, like
1: you said, you know, if my rock bottom had a basement, then my high has got to have a ceiling, right? It's got to have a – not a ceiling. An, a, what's it called? Like a hot air balloon A lot
0: like, What's that thing in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they go in that glass elevator? <laughs> exactly and then you exactly. burst out the top of that
1: but i do i feel like that now like and i never thought i was going to feel like this i never thought i was going to feel this good and i, don't I mean it's swear, possible. gratitude man so much gratitude every day that i'm just like even when i sometimes sometimes i wake up i don't feel like wow amazing but you know most days i do and some days you know even when i'm in a wobble i'm like i actually feel grateful for the reminder of how far I've come so thank you for that thank you and I'll take that little reminder I'll roll it up and you can laugh and I'm gonna get right back to where I want to be and yeah. you know it's amazing Yeah, you can't.
0: once you've got the tools it is a lot easier to manage and I think this is a thing with medication you don't learn tools with medication so you're giving your power still to something else and I think that's the thing for me is like when you actually learn tools and you actually start to unpick because a lot of people that are suffering with depression as well you know there's trauma there it's not an accident it's not like oh I suddenly got depressed out of nowhere there's usually a route for it and actually then you go oh okay cool well that needs sorting out that needs looking at and that doesn't happen with medication yeah it might make you feel better but it doesn't actually solve the emotional issue it doesn't teach you mindfulness it doesn't teach you self-awareness it doesn't teach you how to practice being nice to yourself it's a, a
1: sticking plaster isn't it It's yeah, a and plaster. and that's
0: great and it's great sticking plaster you know what i mean like if you've got a cut on your arm or whatever and you don't put a plaster on it it's not going to heal at all you know so yeah stick the plaster on but also if it needs stitches Less, yeah, you exactly. know <laughs> you gotta start yeah I love
1: how you put that. It's Yeah, it's really good. And like I said, you know, I was fortunate or, well, I, I believe I was fortunate enough to sort of not have to do the medication route because, you know, people talking to me about, you know, well, the, you know, like I said, my friend was a life coach and sort of showed me a few tools and stuff like that. My wife, she was really switched on as soon as she knew what was going on. So we started exploring things, you know, like, you know, positive mindset and stuff like that and more holistic approaches. And I feel like, a, you know, it's a real gift. And I also remember my mum, she was on antidepressants for years. And I believe from time to time still is. And it's like...
0: Hard to get off them.
1: Yeah. And I think that was always a massive fear for me. You know, we talk about the universe and like our guides laughing at us. One time I was walking and I was like, today's the day that I need to go to the doctors because, you know, this was the day that I'm not going to get through it. And I was walking around aimlessly. I don't know if you've ever done this, just walking around aimlessly in this sort of bubble of what the hell am I doing? Where am I? Oh my and God,
0: I used my... to do it in Tesco. Um, oh. The amount of times I used to, when I was depressed, the amount of times I'd go into Tesco to buy food, I'd be in there for about 90 minutes and I'd end up putting the basket down in the middle of the aisle and just walking out because I'd been walking around for so long and I'd start getting really paranoid that people were like, looking at me and stuff and I'd be putting things in the basket, taking things out of the basket. Like I just couldn't make a decision on anything and then i'd just almost be like i don't even want to eat i don't even know why i'm in it what the hell are you doing i would end up just dumping the basket like running out so bad but that's it yeah
1: and i remember just doing this walking around aimlessly thing and i walked to my doctors and i remember being like this is what you have to do you've got to go to the doctors you've got to because you're not coping at home you're not doing this you're not doing that and i went there and it was bloody shut i was like what
0: sorry i shouldn't <laughs> laugh i was like are you kidding me That's i was ready for help yeah and it's like nah this ain't your path mate
1: computer <laughs> says no <laughs> we've got another plan for you mate
0: Oh well, I'm so glad they had another plan. Me too. We're gonna to have to bring it to an end because I've got to get on another call. But <laughs> I could literally talk to you all day. Where can uh, listen, find you find you? listen, I'm available. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll do, do it, it again. again. And For like, sure. you need to come and talk
1: to us, maybe at Man Up, and sort of, you know, give us a few pointers. We'd love to have you on. I'd
0: love that. Am I like? Do I have to wear a fake beard and like put on yeah, a low voice?
1: Absolutely, that's the rule. All
0: right, my name's Raphael <laughs> Welford. <laughs> <laughs> can have like no ego. It'd be <sighs> great. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. So, if people want to find you, Tommy, where can they find you? Where can they listen to Man Up Men's Mental Health podcast? How can they get involved in 365 Good 247 Great?
1: Nice. Okay. So, you can find us at www.manupuk.com. You'll find all the podcasts and links to our social media pages on there. We're very active, mostly on Instagram, which is, again, go. I won't bomb babe, but I'll
0: put all the links.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I won't bamboozle you with all of <laughs> And again, on Facebook, hashtag 365good247great. That's where the group is. I post the videos there every day. I also post it onto the Instagram of Dead Dads. But, you know, on 365good247great, it's not just about the video. You know, we really welcome you to come in and just post some funny things. If you've got any, like, you know, cat memes, we love yeah, it. You we know? in there. <laughs> <We're all about laughs> it. But it's just a place that we just try to just promote positivity and laugh and you know, it's just a nice place to be. And it's a really nice environment that I want to sort of like continue, to sort of grow and to share with people and just hopefully just give people that boost when they might not be feeling like they're at their tip top, you know?
0: Amazing. Well, it has been an absolute joy talking to you. I can uh, literally make this like a, a year long <laughs> podcast where we just talk all day, but.
1: I've loved it. Oh, like, Jenny, thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's been brilliant.
0: I've loved Excellent. It well see you soon and um, thanks for listening everyone as always you'll be able to find all the resources in the resources tab or in the links below and i'll be back next week see you soon bye bye if you enjoyed listening why not leave us a review it really does help other people to find this podcast and enjoy it too feel free to share it with friends and family members that you think it might be useful too thanks so much for listening see you next time